Genesis chapter 40. And I will read from verse 1 onwards. Genesis chapter 40, from verse 1 onwards. And it came to pass after these things that the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief butler and the chief baker. So he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, in the prison, the place where Joseph was confined. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them. So they were in custody for a while. Then the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, who was confined in the prison, had a dream. Both of them, each man's dream in one night, and each man's dream with his own interpretation. And Joseph came in to them in the morning and looked at them and saw that they were sad. Verse 7. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in the custody of his Lord's house, saying, Why do you look so sad today? And they said to him, We each have had a dream, and there's no interpreter of it. So Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell them to me, please. Then the chief butler told his dream to Joseph and said to him, Behold, in my dream, a vine was before me. And the vine were three branches. It was as though it budded. Its blossoms shot forth and its clusters brought forth ripe grapes. Then Pharaoh's cup was in my hand and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph said to him, this is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. Now within three days, Pharaoh will lift your head up and restore you to your place. And you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand according to the former manner when you were his butler. But remember me when it is well with you and please show kindness to me. Make mention of me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house. For indeed, I was stolen away from the land of the Hebrews. And also I've done nothing here that they should put me into the dungeon. When the chief baker saw that, interpre- that the interpretation was good, he said to Joseph, I also was in my dream and there we, and there were three white baskets on my head. In the uppermost basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh and the birds ate them out of the basket on my head. So Pharaoh, so Joseph answered and said, This is the interpretation of it. I'm going to read verse 18 one more time. So Joseph answered and said, This is the interpretation of it. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head from you and hang you on a tree. And the birds will eat your flesh from you. Now it came to pass on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, 
that he made a feast for all his servants and he lifted up the head of the chief butler and the chief baker among his servants. Then he restored the chief butler to his butlership again and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph but forgot him. We read the entire chapter of Genesis 40. It has 23, yes, 23 verses here. Not a big chapter, but has something very significant here. We see two people, two people who offended Pharaoh the chief ruler of the land. And both of them who were the king's officials, they were put in this prison where Joseph was. Now, God brought Joseph into that prison where Joseph was. God didn't make him falsely accused and God didn't cause Potiphar's wife to do what she did and God didn't cause Potiphar to get mad at him and put him in jail. No. All these things happened as a move of Satan to crush the plan of God. If you look at the plan of God, the plan of God that was given to Abraham by God which was revealed by God to Abraham was that the descendants will actually be as slaves for 400 years and then they're going to be delivered. They're going to go into their own place. And the promise that God gave to Abraham with his seed becoming like the stars of the sky and the sand of the shore was all going to happen. And Satan said, I heard this word from God given to Abraham. And so, every opportunity I get, I'm going to crush that plan. So Satan was really looking for every opportunity to destroy that plan of God. And he knew that this one child in that house, Joseph, was a pleasing child to God and God's favor was upon him. So Satan said, hmm, that means this child is going to be a very important one and God's promise is going to be fulfilled through him. He's going to be a vehicle for that. And so let me destroy him. So what happened to Joseph from the beginning of his life as he was living a righteous life? He cared about his brothers. He cared about his father. In spite of all the evil that his brothers did, he still loved them and still did good for them. Satan was looking for every opportunity he could get. And he was able to successfully execute his plan to an extent because he found Joseph's brothers to be full of me, myself, and I where those people were bitter 
Joseph is getting this attention. I'm not. We are here long before he came and we have been doing all these things for the father. And this fellow, look at all the special treatment that he's getting. Now the special treatment and favor came from God because Joseph lived a life that was pleasing to God. But these people who are burning in jealousy and envy because that, Satan was able to work in and through them to fulfill his plan. Just as how Joseph became part of God's plan, his brothers became part of Satan's plan. God is speaking to our hearts today. It's very important that every believer should know to not partner with Satan, to never become an agent for destruction in the hands of Satan. Never put yourself in a place where you become part of Satan's plan. That will be a big tragedy because Satan will make sure he reduces you down to ashes. That's what he'll do. If you think that you can get some nice things from him, you are asking for trouble. God is speaking to our hearts this hour. Joseph was part of God's plan. His brothers partnered with Satan. They went after Joseph's life, unfortunately. Being in the household of faith, which is the household of Abraham, will not exempt anyone from becoming an agent of Satan. I want to say it again. Being in the household of Abraham is not going to exempt anyone from becoming an agent of Lucifer, Satan. So even though these people were descendants of Abraham, they were great-grandsons of the father of faith, the friend of God, they partnered with Satan and became part of Satan's plan and completely went against the plan of God. God is speaking to our hearts today. What are you part of? What part are you playing? Always remember, every day, You're playing a part in the grand scheme of God. You're either on his side or you're against him. There's no middle ground. You're either part of God's plan or you're either part of Satan's plan. Satan used the very descendants of Abraham to crush, wanting to crush, hoping to crush the plan of God. But God found Joseph who pleased the Lord in all things who had a heart of gold and God was able to use him. So when Satan came to kill Joseph while he was with his father to kill him in the pit God came through and he made a way of escape. 
he was taken out of the pit. And now he was going to be sold. The next plan, what are we going to do? While the enemy was coming full force against the plan of God. While Satan was coming full force against the plan of God, God intercepted Satan's plan. God is all wise. So he does something to reroute the plan of the enemy. The enemy thinks, oh, that's a good idea. Let me sell him to the people, the merchants from Egypt. And Satan thought, hmm, getting rid of him is good. But to a Hebrew slave, there's no way that he's going to amount to anything in Egypt. How can you? You can't. That goes directly against anything and everything that Pharaoh's household stood for. Now you look at Joseph being sold as a slave. You know how much he would have cried? When he was thrown in the pit, he cried a lot. Please, 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 please. They were merciless. How can Abraham's descendants, not even somewhere down many centuries, no, no. These are great-grandsons. Are who? The friend of God. How did they become such monsters? How did they become such cruel people to their own flesh and blood? How did they become so merciless? We come to a place where we want to get rid of this brother of ours. How did that murderous spirit enter into these people who belonged to the household of faith? God is speaking to our hearts today. Anything is possible. Depending on who you partner with, your character will become. If you partner with God, you will have love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering, and patience, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, all those beautiful qualities. Your face will look really beautiful and peaceful. But if you partner with Lucifer, your image itself will change. You will have anger, rage, envy, lies, bitterness, and frustration, and you'll start to look like the devil himself. That's the truth. That is the truth. Whether you believe it or not, that's the truth. All of a sudden, you become like this ugly person. How does this happen? It happens when you partner with the wrong crowd. When you give yourself over to the slave owner, Satan, he'll make sure, he'll whip you really good and get the last penny out of you. That's how cruel Satan is. He's a very cruel slave owner. When you say, I would rather be a slave to Satan and get all his beatings and be like the prodigal son, look for the pig food in the pig's tie. We have lost our senses at that point. That has to be restored. So you look at Abraham's great branch sons, excluding Joseph, Benjamin, who didn't directly partner with the rest of the ten, 
what made them become such murderers when his great grandfather left everything because he trusted in the living god he loved god and loved his son loved his wife and loved his family to death made sure that they walk in the ways of the living god so that they can inherit the promises of god you know when we really love our children when we really love our family when we really love our spouse our hearts desire would be for them to get the best so we'll do everything abraham made sure that they walked in the ways of god and god said i know abraham i know you do this you know what a beautiful uh, thing it is when god has such confidence and us saying that i know you do this i know you will have your children walk after me i know that they will inherit that which i've given to you that means when god gives a treasure an inheritance to someone it is so important that we make sure that it's not thrown in the trash when we teach our children to value that treasure make sure that it's passed down with great care make sure it is passed down with great care very important how we live how our children live and how their generation will if we have the ability and the capacity to transfer what we have which is our faith which is the most important thing not just i believe no but truly really have that living faith that can make that impact in the lives of our children and impact our children to the extent that they have that ability to impact their children and their children we've done our job really well and it really shows that we truly love them we want the best for them and the inheritance that god gave to abraham was huge to make the descendants of abraham like the stars of the sky and the sand of the shore not just just like wild locusts everywhere no they're going to become the top of the world the nation that is above every other nation look at the promise of god in order for that to be fulfilled every generation must make sure that they keep it not squander it you know there are some people who get um they win the lotto and they don't know how to use the money i'm not advocating lotto by the way it's an illustration that the spirit of god is bringing to us or some people can get somebody's inheritance say their parents they pass down their house or their whatever it is inheritance the children who just waste the whole thing you just go here go there eat out and eat out and eat out and, and then come to square one where i don't have i don't have i don't have i don't have no matter how much you get you will never have if you are not wise with what has been given to you spiritually many people are like that they get it and they're so happy oh i got it i got it i got it but then what do you do with it are you careful enough to treasure it to preserve it or are you someone who just say i'm so happy Do you know what this is 100,000 cash i have and not me this is an illustration again 100,000 dollars cash i have i'm so thankful that someone gave it to me but you know what i'm too tired and i'm so lazy and i'm just going to leave it by the front door i'm going to leave it in the car will you do that will you do that 
or you get a nice wedding ring or whatever it is, then whatever is important, you can just leave it somewhere and say, I know I left it. That just shows you're really irresponsible if you do that. Or you have a serious medical problem. But if you value something, how will you treat it? See, the way you treat your husband or your wife shows how much you value them. The way you treat your children shows how much you value them. The way you treat your grandchildren shows how much you value them. Not just treating them like a puppy or a kitten, but really valuing their soul, valuing their personality, valuing their emotions, valuing them as a person, spirit, soul, and body as a whole being. What are you doing? To take out that total person, what are you doing? Are you praying like you should? Are you exhibiting the character of Christ as you should? Are you being the living witness who has that capacity to transfer what you have to the next person? If the light in you shines so bright, then those around you will see that light. Are you that kind of a light? God is asking this question today. To what extent do you really care about your generation, your family, your children, their children? Oh, they go to school. I did, I packed some lunch for them. Oh, I took them to the soccer club. That's it. That's not really caring for them. Anybody can do that. Next door nanny can do that. Care about their soul. Care about their total body, mind, and spirit. See where they stand emotionally. See where they stand spiritually. You should know the state of your child. Every child you should know. I have five and I know in and out of each one of them. And our church also. Sometimes some people think, oh, pastor doesn't know. Oh, no, I do. We pray a lot. It is important for every single person to know the state of your heart, where you stand, and the state of your loved ones, where they stand. If we don't do that, we'll easily send them to hell. Easily. Tell them, I love you, I love you, and I love you. And it's a lie, you know what you call that? Judas kiss. Oh, I love you. Where are you sending them? You love them so much, you're sending them to hell. May God have mercy. You love them so much, you know about heaven and hell. You love them so much and you're sending your child to hell. You love them so much, you're sending your parents to hell. You love them so much, you're sending your siblings to hell. You love them so much, you're sending your grandchildren to hell. You love them so much, you're sending all your loved ones to hell. May God have mercy on the height of this hypocrisy. God is speaking to our hearts at this hour. Make sure that you are not like a watchman who says, I'm a watchman, but I sleep during my night shift. I sleep. You sleep during your night shift. Your city will be robbed. You sleep during your night shift. Your family will be robbed. You sleep when you should be watchful. Your children will be robbed. That's how many people lose their children. To Satan. That's how many people lose their spouses to Satan. That's how many people lose their marriages to Satan. That's how many people lose their grandchildren to Satan. 
You need to be someone who's awake and alert. Know the state of your flock that God has given to you. Make sure you're on point. If you are walking like a drunken sailor, wobbling all over the place and say that, lean on me, my spouse, lean on me, my son, my daughter, I will take you safe. Nobody will lean on you, first of all. They see how bad you are wobbling. You cannot do a thing for yourself. And then all your talk will be something that someone will mock at. Have the character to be like a strong tower. Those who need Jesus can run into because you have the real thing. That brings us to the question, what is the real thing? Do you know the real thing for yourself or you just know it here and not here? If you know it here and here, it'll just show through here. But if it is not, then it is not going to. There'll be a lot of Bible knowledge and scriptures and past, whatever. What is our current state? How are we living before God? How is our interaction with the family members? Abraham did his job really good. You can see it in Isaac's life. But somewhere down the line, something went wrong with the Isaac's wife. Her thought she can help God by doing it in a tricky way. And the thought itself came from Satan. God blessed her in everything. And after some time, the woman who prayed and prayed and prayed and asked God for her solutions, all of a sudden, she stopped praying and consulting with God. And she started listening to the voices on the head that came from Lucifer. There itself, Satan tried to mess up God's plan. He said, oh, if this guy has to inherit the blessing because the older one is a squanderer, if Jacob is the one which God already said was going to inherit, let me destroy Jacob. Now what Satan was trying to do? Get a curse on Jacob's head. But God did something there. But the mercy of God drove Jacob out of where Jacob was. You're in a place of deception. The best way for you to straighten out is get out of that place of deception. Jacob was driven out of his house. The very place that he was hoping to keep, he was driven out of that place. Now, Jacob had to come to a place where he had to come to God. He did all those things out of lack of faith. But he had to come to God I believe that you're alive now. I'm going to talk. I'm going to have a conversation with you. He did not have it before. If he did, he wouldn't have ended up the way he ended up. And now he's having a conversation. He said, God, if you be, if you do this next Y and Z, A, B and C, then he makes a deal with God and God took it very seriously. And that was the place where God manifested himself to Jacob. And wherever Jacob went, that ladder went with him. It was not just left somewhere in Bethel. The presence of God went with him. Thoroughly dealt with him. Until the last drop of foolishness was taken out of him. Until he became an upright man. Before he could become Israel. Now, you look at Jacob's sons. The transfer that should have happened like how it happened with Abraham did not happen here. Where the ten sons are full of envy and 
all kinds of wrong things where Joseph was able to see that and come and tell his dad about it. The things were going out of order for quite some time. Then what? Satan said, hmm, I can't believe. I try to mess up everyone, but look at this one. In the midst of this messed up brothers, especially little ones, they look up to the older ones. And when the older ones begin to behave a certain way, the little ones automatically copy. That's human nature. They copy. Big brother does that and I do this and big sister does that and I do this. If they scratch four times, they won't know why they're doing four times. They try like to copy. But Joseph was different. Joseph had the character not to copy that which was wrong. He was someone who was different. Satan said, oh boy, I can't believe. I messed up these ten. But I can't touch this one. God is speaking to the heart today. How about that? How about that? How about becoming that agony for Satan? No matter how much I try, I'm not able to ruin the plan of God through this one. I'm able to get it done through all those those ten foolish fellows over there. They listen to me all the time. When I tell them, look at that and burn with envy, they burn with envy and look at that. Whatever I bring in their heads, they take that because they're full of themselves. But look at this one. This one is constantly praying, constantly talking to God. And Let me tell you this. That little Joseph, who chose not to be like his father, or his mother who died because she lied, and she was a hypocrite, who said that I don't have an idol but was hiding it, and died because of lying under oath. Joseph said, I'm not going to be like her. I'm not going to be like this. He had a whole host of people whom he could have copied. And he could have even blamed, oh, I became a liar because my mom is a liar. And uh, he could have said all these things like a lot of times people say that. Full of excuses. But he was different. Joseph was different. You know, out of all the bad things he saw in his family, in his brothers, somewhere his father has imparted something into him. Whatever he tried to import into the rest didn't go in. But this little one, whatever he got, he made full use of it. The rest turned out to be different. The ten. But him, not much is written about Benjamin. Because he was younger than Joseph. And he was kept away from the rest of the brothers. But Joseph was someone his father really depended on. Even though he was little, he was so responsible, the father will tell him, go do this and give this to your brothers. Even though the brothers hated him, he would still go and do it happily, very innocent little one. Had that fellowship with God Almighty. God is speaking to our hearts at this hour. In the midst of his crooked and perverse brothers, Joseph was very innocent and he maintained his integrity before God because of his communion with God. He had the nature of Jesus Christ inside of him. So now, you look at Joseph, Satan tried to squash the plan of God there when, when Joseph lived there by trying to kill Joseph. That didn't happen. God provided a way of escape. Then he tried destroying Joseph by sending him to Egypt and he was gone. 
he was a slave, but there God prospered him. And from there, being a slave, he became like a manager of all the slaves over there. And over everything that was there, he did really good. He was a very sincere, hardworking person. Didn't say that, well, I'm by myself over here and I'm so lonely and I don't have anybody here. And he didn't try to get a girlfriend there. He didn't say, well, let me play nice with the boss's wife because I look really great and she likes me and I can use this to my advantage. He did not give in to any of those demonic things. He was someone who had God in him and God around him. He was someone wherever he was, did his job really well. He was focused. He was a young person of great character. Satan said, let me try, let me try, let me try to see. He's all by himself and he, he's lonely, and which was true. He was by himself. He didn't have anybody else with him. No daddy, no mommy, no, no one, no one with him in a strange place. And he didn't even have the freedom. It was not even his homeland. He was displaced. He was brought as a slave. And, and um, those days, slaves are not like how it is now. It's not a joke. He was under the dominion of a foreigner, 24-7. A prince was born to a very rich man. Now a slave under the dominion of a really wicked person, of a heathen. Now when you look at it, in the eyes of that person, God gives favor for Joseph. In the eyes of the cruel taskmaster, Joseph received favor. And Satan said, oh, I can't stand this. I thought I can destroy him here. And now what? If this guy keeps prospering here, then he can become something. I don't want that happening. And he sensed the power of God through Joseph and the capacity Joseph had through God working in him. So he said, let me destroy that. So he came. He thought he can use Potiphar's wife there. And try to stir him up. But you know what? Joseph was a man of character. He said, I'm not going for these cheap things. He said, I will not sin against the living God. When you look at his life and the way God settled him, it's simply amazing. He said, I will not sin against the living God. You know, my Satan tried that. If he can defile the person, He'll make them unfit for the master's use. He went and he thought, let me do this. Joseph, if he would have done that, he might have not ended up in prison, but he would have lost his call. He would have gone to hell. That's what Satan was after. He was after the plan of God he wanted to destroy. But Joseph was a man of faith, a young person of faith. He knew that which God spoke to him of and he said he will fulfill that which he spoke to me. God will, God will fulfill that which he spoke to me. And he had it always in front of him in the midst of his loneliness, in the midst of all that he was going through. What God spoke to me, he will fulfill. That's so why God's word says the word of the Lord tried him. The promise that was given to him. Satan said, let me see. God, if he's worthy of inheriting it, let me see. Even if I whip him a thousand times, let me see. If you'll still believe, let me put him to the lowest place, the darkest place. God said, go ahead. 
I know. He will be faithful to me, just like with Job. Now from there, because Joseph did not bow down to the wicked serpent, the serpent just hissed even more and it said, I'm going to strike you down. You're challenging me. I'm not able to kill you now. Let me see what I'm going to do. I'm going to lock you in the dungeon for good and you're never going to come out. And he threw him in the prison. And even in the prison, God, over there, he made a way of escape. He said, I'm going to put you in the, in, in, not in any prison, but in a prison where all the royal prisoners are there. That's the hand of God. Just like how when Satan tried to destroy Joseph, he didn't make him anybody's slave. Even there, God said, I'm going to take you to Potiphar's house. Give him that perfect training that he needed to become that leader. In the earthly sense, he got everything that he needed to do, all the managerial skills and everything that he needed. He learned all those things as a slave. What the enemy intended for evil, God turned it for God. So every time the enemy tries to do something, God will say, there you go, I'll do something good out of this. And Satan says, I can't stand this and let me just put this down. And he comes and he does something and God says, here you go, there's another. Free writing takes place. Yes, he's in the prison, but he's not in any common prison. He was put in the prison where the prisoners from the royal place would come. Now he is there. There he is prospering. Beyond measure. A slave. A prisoner. Who didn't do anything wrong. He didn't do anything wrong back then. At his father's place. And he didn't do anything wrong. Here at Potiphar's place. You look at his life, it's like sorrow and sorrow and sorrow and looks like injustice after injustice. Where is God? Somebody can ask, where is God? Where all these bad things are happening to Joseph who's been so good. Where is God and all these things as if God is someone who is uh, a sadistic person who enjoys and making everyone suffer and say, I'm going to bring something good out of you. I'm going to bring something good. No, 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 no. Satan who saw the plan of God was the one who came as a hissing serpent trying to destroy in every place God said. Oh, oh yeah? That's a platform for elevation. That's a platform for elevation. That's a platform for elevation. Every part, God made sure that he set it up for the next step for Joseph to get to where he needed to get to. God is speaking to our hearts today. Any time God allows anything in your life, and if you're walking right with God, just like how Joseph walked, know this for sure. It'll all pan out. It'll all work out in a very glorious way. At the end, you'll turn and look at it and say, how great thou art. No matter how many times the enemy may try to come and pull you down, every time he pulls you down, God gives you the force to kick him. And when you kick him, not only does he go underneath your feet, you spring upward. You spring upward. It's a prophecy God is giving at this hour. Every time the enemy tries to pull you down, if you're with God, you have that strength to kick the enemy. Put him right under your feet. And you spring upwards. You never stay in the same place. You never. Joseph was here. In this prison. He was there for a while. And there God is steadily building. 
his portfolio, his experience. Not just in work, but there's a spiritual building that is taking place within him. Every area wherever he's tried, he's shining brighter for God. Every area, every area. And in prison, he's shining. We say here, when these two officers from Pharaoh's palace were thrown into this prison where Joseph was, they both had a dream. Now, God could have just said that just one person had a dream and according to this dream it happened that now it happened that both people had the dream on the same night you see the involvement of God in the life of his people now this dream didn't come because God was trying to communicate with the baker and the butler and no 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 this dream came for Joseph Because Joseph was a part of God's plan. And so, in order for Joseph to get to where he needed to get to, this ministry opportunity is coming. Where Joseph is there and he cares about these people. I've preached on this before through the Spirit of God. How caring he was that he knew how they looked every day. So one day when their faces were not like how it was prior to this, even though they're prisoners, they're not going to be singing like happy songs and, you know, making happy noises and dances over there. It's prison. But even in the prison environment, in the midst of all the gloominess, this kind of a sadness Joseph didn't see before. To that extent, he knew the people there. God is speaking to our hearts again. He knew his brothers. When they went wrong, he went and told his father. He knew the prisoners who were with him. Know the state of your family. Know the state of your people. Know the state of the people of God. Be someone who is caring. Joseph was not a me, myself, and I person. If he would have been a me, myself, and I person, then he wouldn't have become the next person to Pharaoh. He would, have been, he would have been sitting all by myself and look at me and I was so faithful to God and look what happened to me. You know, like typical of many Christians. I do all these things and what's the point and look at those people and, and those people don't even have God and look how they are. You know, they were looking at some people who's, you know, going and um, plucking some wheat in some yard and some some field and say that at least they have some job and they're doing something and look at me and I'm now in prison. I don't even have anything now. I'm locked in for good and, and I'm not even able to see the sunshine and, and all their woes. Joseph was not like that. He was not a me, myself and I person. Very different. This is why if you look at Moses, Moses had the character to become the leader, not Aaron, not Miriam. Look how they handle the situation. Once Moses was gone, look what happened to Aaron. He couldn't last. This is why God chose Moses, even though Aaron was older too. Moses. God chose Moses because Moses had the character to be the leader. God called him to be. And you look at um, 
against him. He said, oh, you think he's the leader? We could have been the leader too. And he thinks well, you know, he's leader. And who does he think? He, all these things they talk, but these were disqualified people, disqualified by God. But they're standing there and saying that we had a quality. Oh, really? They didn't even have the capacity to deliver themselves in Egypt to begin with. And you have this man who left everything and came to bring them out. And now they're saying, oh, he thinks he is about us. And who was he? And all these things they're talking. Possessed by evil spirits. They spoke. And the very evil spirits they served took them down. What happened? They went down. They did not inherit the promised land. Be very careful of what moves you into thinking of who you are. The Bible says, never think of yourself highly what you ought to. That's Lucifer. When you compare yourself with others, know that you have fallen at that point. If you compare yourself with others and think that you're better than them, you have fallen. If you want to Look at someone who is running ahead of you and want to follow their footsteps is a whole different thing. But comparing yourself with someone and say, oh, they have this and I don't have this and, you know, I, they have this because they have this and I don't have this because I don't have this and all these things. It will open the door for demonic spirits to enter in from jealousy to envy to depression to all, all kinds of stuff that Satan will bring into you, bring right into you, bring, bring swiftly into you to take it down. So you look at Joseph here, he's very different. He was someone, even though in prison, did not think about himself, he thought about the rest of the people. You know, he's such a beautiful example of someone who received the peace from God, which the world cannot give and the world cannot take away. He was someone who was untouched by any kind of depression, anxiety. Nothing had power over him. The only one who had power over him was God. And because of his power, he had the joy of the Lord in him all the time. Our prison environment is not a palace or it's not even a place where you are free outside to go by yourself. No, you're in shackles. He was not somebody who was not in shackles walking freely. You know, the Bible says they hurt his feet with the fetters. He had very bad marks on him from those chains. He had so much pain every day. Joseph had so much pain every day. When he was in prison, he was not walking freely. No. When you come outside, you question, no, no, he was wearing shackles all the time. Hard enough to hurt him really badly. But all of that, he was not saying, oh, this hurts, that hurts, that hurts, this hurts, so that's why I'm grumpy all the time and I'm upset all the time and where's my God and where's the God of my great-grandfather Abraham and he said all these promises and he gave all these dreams to me and look at me and what was me and I'm sitting over here. I could have just kept quiet and I told them the dreams and because of that I got myself into this and these dreams are not even coming true and how am I going to even get out of this place? None of those things. He knew one thing, what God said will come to pass and he had this connection with God every day. So even while he was in the prison, he lived as a prince, a prince of God. No woman could draw him. He was a strong person. I tell people, even when I was in college, I used to say this. If you're that weak, that a man or woman can pull you down that easily, you are a really weak person. If you're a weak person who just runs after anything and anyone that's out there, you have no strength inside. You are a weak person. You need to have God's strength on the inside. Joseph was not a cheap person who will give himself to anything that's out there. 
lots of dogs out there. Lots of stray dogs out there will run around anywhere looking for anything that's out there. Joseph was not like that. He knew who he was. He knew he was. He knew who he was. He knew how to keep himself because he said, I'm a prince. I'm not letting any of these cheapos come near me. He said, I am God's prince. I'm not letting any of these things touch me. I am God's prince. He was covered with humility and holiness head to toe. So no depression could come near him. No anxiety could come near him. No woman could come near him. No man could come near him. No boss could come near him. No one could come near him. No prison could come near him. No shackles could come near him. Or he had shackles, but he had no power over him. He had power over those shackles. No prison walls could confine him. He had power over those walls. Even there, he became a boss. That is character on the inside. God is speaking to our hearts today. Do you have that character? God wants to strengthen you. You cannot get stronger unless you partner with the strongest one on the face of the earth and the entire universe. Now there in prison, he's giving this word to this man. Two people who had the dream. Two separate dream, which carries two separate interpretation, but they didn't know what it meant. It needs an interpreter. They didn't try to interpret themselves because they knew this carries something important. It was troubling to them. You see, Joseph said, interpretation belongs to God. Tell it to me. You know why? Because he had the spirit of God in him. He had that confidence that he could help them because he had the anointing of God. That's what the anointing of God does. When you have it, you have the confidence that you can do this because the spirit of God shows you what the need is and you're able to meet the need of those who are in distress. You don't have it. You can try to say, I think um, uh, cup stands for this. And I saw online, you know, there, there are a lot of people who go to online as if online is God. There are a lot of things that are there online. The people run. They think you put this, what this red means and blue means and star means. And I'm saying these things. I don't go and check those things. I'm saying because there are people who came to me for interpretation who said online we saw this. It was totally wrong and also demonic. But Joseph had the Spirit of God. Because he had the Spirit of God, he knew what he was facing. And he knew that he can help those people. Without the Spirit of God, you cannot help anyone. You can talk a lot and say a lot of things and say, I had a great conversation. I encourage them. That's it. That's not going to do anything for them. Human encouragement is not going to do anything. They're going to say, thank you, thank you, thank you, and be depressed still. But when the divine intervention takes place, there's this unlocking. Holy Spirit, take me deeper into your river. Unlock the depths of my soul. Let your living springs overflow. Unlock the depths of my soul. Let your living springs overflow. Take me deeper. Who takes you deeper? Holy Spirit, take me deeper. If the Spirit of God is not there, then we put on a show. If the Spirit of God is not there, we can't give anything. 
The Samaritan woman looked to Jesus and she said, Lord, give me this living water. Because I see that you have it. Give me this living water. She received it. You can see that. She brought the entire village to Jesus Christ. Not just say, come and see, come and see. And everybody says, ah, we have other things we don't know. Her words had power. just drew them all to Jesus. And as a result of that, they themselves saw who Jesus was. A revelation that Jewish people missed. The Samaritans received that. This is the Messiah. The woman, the Samaritan woman, discarded by society, received that revelation. The entire people came because she already planted that. She said, could this be the Messiah? Could this be the Messiah? Could this be? It all went in and they said, they came with this in their mind. Could this be the Messiah? She's saying, this was the work of the spirit that began. So now she is, she has brought these people and these people are there in front of the Messiah and the Messiah is speaking. Now they said, this is the Messiah. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. So the work of the Holy Spirit through her to them and then when they came to the presence of God, into them. Sealed. It's done. How easy it is. As opposed to, let's go out for a coffee, let's go out for dinner, let's go out for this and talk and talk and talk. There are people who talk and talk and have conversations for the next how many years? With no fruit. A lot of waste of money and time. But the anointing of God does the Jesus kind of ministry. You see the fruit of it. Joseph had what it took to give to those who were in need. And what he said, the interpretation he gave was from God and so it happened. Do you have what it takes to give to those who are in need? And what you're giving, is it really genuine? It has to be genuine. When it is genuine, it leaves a permanent mark in that person. I want to finish with this. Now, after Joseph interpreted the dream, he looks at this butler and he says, Remember me. I did nothing wrong. I did nothing wrong. And I'm here for no wrong of mine. So when you go out, Joseph had confidence in his interpretation. Very important point here. He didn't say, I feel, I think, you know, it really um, baffles me when many people try to um, supposedly prophesy. I feel God is saying this, and I think God is saying this, and I think God, I mean, if you think and you feel it's not God, you need to be able to say, this is what God is saying. That accurate it has to be. Then it's God. And for that, you have to really, really be one with God. God will give that which it takes, which is the genuine anointing of God. Which will bring into the natural realm that which is of the supernatural. But Joseph says, you're going to go out. Now all this talk is happening while these two fellows are in prison and there's no way somebody who has offended Pharaoh to be thrown into prison and there's no way this guy is going to go out and there's no way this guy who did such a thing supposedly was lied about and thrown into the prison to Joseph is going to get out. There's no way. But look at Joseph's faith. Joseph knew what God was showing him and he knew that it was going to come to pass. There's no wavering in that. He knew what was happening. 
he knew, he knew, he knew that this was going to happen. And he also knew that not only him, God has promised me when he goes out, God is working this so that he can bring me out because I'm not meant to be here beyond God's time. So he had that faith in God and having moved, having that faith in God and being moved by God, he's now talking to this butler and he says, when you go there, remember me, get me out of this place. He knew that God kept this guy and this interpretation for this guy, even though he's helping him, as he's giving that interpretation, he was moved by the Spirit of God. This guy is part of God's plan and God is going to use him to bring him out. The guy went out and he forgot about it. Imagine how much Joseph would have been thinking, today, 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 Lord, today, Lord, today, Lord, today, Lord. Goes by and goes by and time goes by, time goes by. But you know, when God has spoken to you so clearly, nothing can quench that. No one can change that. No demon can move that. Nothing. That's the confidence Joseph had. Days may go by, but the word that God has said stands forever. It cannot be moved. Cannot be moved. The vision that God gives never delays. Because it's for an appointed season. Because it's for an appointed season, wait for it, says God's word. You wait for it because it won't tarry. But you must wait for it. It's a beautiful scripture. You wait for it because it's not going to delay. But you wait for it knowing that that appointed time is coming. So even though it may look like it's a long time, many, many years of suffering, oh, feet hurt from the shackles, hands hurt from the shackles. A long time in this prison, you have more added to it every year. Many, many things that happened. But the word that God gave, will the situations negate what God spoke? No. Is it going to alter what God spoke? No. We keep our eyes on it. One thing we know, the longer it takes, the countdown to the delivery date that God has set getting smaller and smaller and smaller. We're getting closer and closer and closer. God has spoken. If he has spoken, he'll bring it to pass. Those who don't have faith will not inherit it. I want to say that very clearly. When God has spoken something. If you don't have a 100% faith without a speck of doubt, you will not inherit it. You need to have faith, 100% faith, in order to inherit that which God has for you. So, look at Joseph here. He had his eyes on what God said. And when that opportunity came, he knew that this is God's door for him to walk out. But then after that, what happened? Sitting and waiting and waiting, God spoke, God spoke, God spoke, God spoke. But he never lost hope. He knew that. That appointed time will come. This guy went and he forgot about it. He was another me, myself, and I fellow. He was so happy, he completely forgot the person whom God used in his life. To actually give the word to him. Without that, I know how he might have been agonizing. But God actually spoke into his life. Many people are like that. 
we see lots of ungrateful people in ministry, lots of ungrateful people that we deal with, give our lives for, and they forget, so to speak. Suddenly they don't know how they became bright. Suddenly they don't know how they're walking. Suddenly they don't know how they're talking. They don't know how they became rich. They don't know how they have what they have, what they never had before, now they have. They have no knowledge of any of those things. They just completely forget the very vessel of God that God has used. They're supposed to remember, but I know, me, myself, and I. And some go even further to say that I did it by myself. I prayed and I got healed and I did it by myself. This guy went to the prison, sitting there for so long, pouring out in spite of his own affliction. God had all these things planned out for Joseph. He who waters, he himself will be watered. He watered the butler. The butler was gone and he forgot. But you know what? The one who gave the word to Joseph was not butler. It was God. Butler may have forgotten, but God didn't. There's a prophecy God is speaking at this hour. People around you, they might have forgotten you. People around you, they might have forgotten all the good you've done for them. But you don't keep your eyes on them and become a grumpy person. You don't become, put, you don't focus on those people and don't focus on yourself and oh, I did this and oh, I did that and I did that and me, myself and I, oh my God, disgusting, disgusting, utterly disgusting. It's important for every believer to get out of that. You do it unto the Lord and do it for the next person out of compassion after that. Don't you think about yourself and don't you talk about yourself. Let another man's mouth praise you. Don't look for it and don't crave for it and don't get mad over it. That's when evil spirits will enter into you and drag you down. Joseph continued. That guy forgot about him. He did not let the devil use that guy's behavior or attitude to ruin Joseph's future. No. Joseph said, God gave me the promise and when God wants to bring me out, he'll bring me out. Until then, I will enjoy my time with God. In the prison, Joseph was able to bring the kingdom of God down to where he was. Right there in the prison, he was experiencing the glory of God. Now when God's time came, you know what God did? God didn't say, hey, you, good for nothing, butler, you're being one rascal over here and give a scary, spooky dream to Butler and say, get up and go talk to the king for Joseph now. No. You know, if that would have happened, it would have been a small plan. Joseph would have just walked in the street and looked for some house and see how, where he can go and be another slave to survive. God didn't do that. God didn't say, oh, oh, oh. My plan is not going to work out in an ordinary way. I'm going to give the king, the ruler of this nation, a dream. Because you're not going to be someone underneath butler or somewhere in some street, just being a free person. I'm going to bring you all the way to the top. That's who our God is. God moved in Pharaoh, and through Pharaoh, moved in the very guy, this ungrateful guy who forgot about Joseph. And then, 
The word that God gave to Joseph to tell that guy, remember me? Popped up in his head after a long time. But Joseph didn't do anything outside God's will. Everything that he did worked out towards God's plan. The king gets the dream. And Joseph gets to go there. And there in front of the king, the king sees that this guy has a spirit of God. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. God took Joseph, was forgotten by this butler, was left in the prison. Think about that. It's not like, you know, he needed some promotion or something. This guy's whole life is here. Messed up in this prison. And this butler had that opportunity to bring him out and he did not use that. He was so self-centered. He just forgot. How can you forget? Yet many people are like that. That's what me, myself, and I will do. He's sitting here. God said, a little longer, Joseph. A little longer. Because this grand plan is all going to unfold. Which is all connected to that 400 years. So that time had to come. For God to bring Joseph out exactly according to God's time. Exactly according to God's time and God's calendar. Every word that God has spoken to us shall come to pass. Every word. Without a jot or tittle being deleted. Every word shall come to pass. Every word shall come to pass. In the lives of all those who have given their lives to being faithful to God and genuinely loving God from their hearts, just like how the sweet Bible character Joseph lived. When you give your life over to God, God will do wonders in your life. If you chase after the wind, you will inherit a whirlwind which will just destroy everything. I'm going to say it again as the Holy Spirit wants me to. If you chase after the wind, you will inherit a whirlwind that will destroy everything that is inside of you. It will destroy you, in short. But if you chase after the one who is over your entire life, the one who sees the end from the beginning, the one who is the promise giver and the promise keeper. And wherever you are, you've learned to be content. God says, that person will inherit that which God has for them because they have that faith. Now look to see when I'm going to become the king, when I'm going to become the king. God said, you know, my brother, my father, and all those people bowed down to me. And, and when am I going to become this? And oh, God, help me so that they can all bow down to me. There are people who pray like that all the time. Me, myself, and I, self-worship. That's another tragic, disgusting thing. And God helped all those kinds of prayers to be buried for good once and for all. Put to death once and for all. Let your prayers become prayers that will move the heart of God. You're saying, God, let your plan become mine. Let your kingdom come down. Let it be 
in my life. Let me do whatever you want me to do. That's all I want. Let me do whatever I want. You don't tell God what he should do. Be someone who's so close with God. And wherever he places you, you're always content. Wherever he places you, in the midst of the troubled waters, if he's with you, that's good. He knows when to take you to the next step. If you are fit for that, he will take you to the next step if you are fit for that. There's also such a thing as God's calendar and timeline that God has. Where it had to coincide with the prophecy that he gave to Abraham and the timeline. So because of that, Joseph was sitting in the prison for some time. When that timeline was right and ripe, God moved. In the meantime, God was with Joseph. And Joseph experienced God on earth. Alone, yet not alone. In prison, in the palace. A prisoner, yet a prince. There's a life such as that. If you know your God, like the way you should, then you can live the way God wants you to. If you know your God, then you will know how to live. Godliness with contentment is great gain. We bring nothing into this world. We're not going to take anything with us. But one thing will give you great gain. If you live a godly life, and are content with God, where he has placed you, you'll be the richest person in the entire universe. You'll have everything. A person who has God and who has contentment is number one. Nothing can push them down. No one can drag them down. Not even Lucifer. They are great in the sight of God. Those are people who are clothed with humility. Full of God's love. And full of God's power. Shall we close eyes and look to the Lord? Thank you, Jesus. Father, thank you, Lord, this time. Thank you for your word that you gave to each one of your people today. This word carries the power to raise the dead. Satan came with such force before this word had to be given to your people. I pray that this word of God will cause a spiritual earthquake within your people in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That every false thing that they are leaning on be brought down in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Oh, that they may stand on solid ground, Father. That their lives be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. That they may live and not die. That they may be secure and not wander. That they may be free and not be a slave to sin. 
that they may be righteous and become everything that you've called them to become. May they be people of faith and not be full of unbelief. May they be people of great character, God's character, and not be people who are slain by the devil. I ask you, Holy Spirit, you do a mighty work in your people, Lord. Wherever there's a faulty foundation, wherever there's decay, wherever there's death, wherever there's stench, I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you breathe your living breath upon your people. And I ask you that you will remove every form of destruction and death out of your life. With the Spirit of God, we move them to a place of great prosperity. Beginning with their souls, then their body, and then their finances. With this blessing, I bless you people. At this hour, your servant standing in the presence of God, before the throne of God, according to the power and authority given to me by the Almighty God, I proclaim this word from God all you people. And I bless them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That they may be above and not beneath. Lenders and not borrowers. Be the head and not the tail. Be clothed with humility, integrity, holiness, love, righteousness, self-control. That their lives may become a sweet fragrance to the Lord God Almighty. That they may be fit for God's great use. I thank you for joining us. In Jesus' most precious name, I pray. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for your precious word. Thank you, Lord, for giving life today. Through your word, Lord, this life of Joseph, and how your power came upon him because he was yielded to you, Lord. He kept himself from all of the temptations of Satan. Thank you, Lord. He trusted in you. He spoke and behaved as a prince, no matter where you allowed him to go. No matter where the devil tried to stop him and finish him off. Lord, it wasn't his willpower, the mind over matter. It was the grace of God that he received and the faith that he showed in action because he stayed near you, Lord. Your values were his values. So he, you took him to the top 
Not only did he live foiling Satan's plans, but he defeated Satan through your power every single time. No deception from the enemy through the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life had any capacity to come near him, Lord. This human being walked as a prince of God in the worst situations and he proved his faithfulness in the view of all of heaven and hell and the people around him. And he became a blessing, just as we heard, Lord, in the exhortation before. He became a blessing. Father in heaven, we thank you that you've given the word by spirit so that we may follow in the footsteps of those who've gone before us, not look at the people around us, and the people who think they're Christian, Lord, when they're not following you, but following me, myself, and I. Themselves, the real life of a disciple, the greatest freedom imaginable, the greatest prosperity, the greatest love, the greatest power, the greatest blessing is found in you when we come to terms with the word that you've spoken. Thank you, Jesus, for blessing every family that's joined us this evening. Continue to prosper them, Lord. Help us, Lord, to do what you want us to do, having heard what you have given us today to show you that we really believe you. We believe your words. And we love you. Thank you, Jesus, for radical change through the anointing of God today. On many hearts, we thank you, Father. We know that you rejoice when you see your children completely turn their backs on the deception that has come to their lives time and time again and stick squarely with the truth that gives life from you. Lord, we heard that our generation will be blessed. Things that this world cannot guarantee, our own willpower, our own education, our own wealth, our own creativity, Lord, all of these things cannot guarantee what you promised. The life that is abundant, the one who fears you, Lord, you said the family will be prospered because to fear you is to respect you deeply and to keep your commandments that brings life that's to love you. We bless you. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. In the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, may the love of God the Father and the sweet fellowship of his Holy Spirit rest and remain with us all now until we see Jesus face to face. Amen.